Sports Radio 104.3 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, here's Terry. Good morning and a beautiful sunny morning up here out of my studios in Fort Collins. Hopefully it's nice where you are. We're going to have some weather change. It's going to affect some of your outdoor activities. We'll try to get you up to speed on that, how it might affect things during the day today. Uh, lots of fishing going on. The weather changes may affect it, but there's still going to be a lot of fishing going on. We're going to talk quite a bit about that. We're going to uh, we're going to take you down to the southwest a little later, down to John Martin and Oshina Grandy. The biologist is going to join us and uh, Reports are actually better than I thought after the water year we've had in the last year. So um, that looks like it's going to be a great opportunity. We'll cover that later. Something else that's coming up uh, later on, uh, not this week, but next week, we're going to get a dog trainer on again. We do this every few years for a while. Um, Outdoor people love dogs. And there's also the training of hunting dogs. And we're going to really get into that, give you some great tips. That'll start next week. I don't know if it's going to be every other week, once a month, or every two, three weeks. But we're going to get into a regular dog training, uh, some segments to help you. Because this is a great time of the year to be working with your hunting dogs. And trivia today. If you follow us on Facebook, you would know that Karen posted a trivia uh a trivia fact on our Facebook page, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on Facebook. And in that post will be the answer to a question that I will ask today. And the one who I think will text it in today will use the text line. And the one, the first one to text the right answer when we ask that question is going to win a $50 gift card from uh, Jack's Outdoor Gear. And we're going to have more trivia coming up too. So follow us on Facebook you should follow us anyway. It's a huge part of this show. Um, we talk about what's coming up. We talk about things we've covered. We replay podcasts. Karen puts up videos from our YouTube channel. There's just a lot going on, and it keeps you in tune with what we're doing. But let's go right to the phones. And joining us, he's uh, he's uh, a well-accomplished fisherman, a guide. He started his fishing career, actually, with the folks at In Fisherman at Camp Fish. You hear him on this show on a regular basis. He's also our waterfowl uh, and calling expert, Brad Peterson. Good morning, Brad. Good morning, Terry. You know, when I was doing the talking about the the dog training coming up, that's probably something near and dear to you, too, with all the waterfowl hunting you do. Oh, it is. And, you know, that is a key thing for someone who hunts with a dog to have a really enjoyable experience is spending some time during the off season to kind of keep that dog either in tune with the training that it already has, or kind of clean up a few of those rough edges. And it makes that experience so much more fun when you get around to the fall and your dog, you get out on that first hunt and the dog is doing what it's supposed to do as opposed to uh, what a lot of us have done in the past is, you know, maybe you take a year and, and you don't spend that time, and, and for the first few hunts, you're kind of having to spend as much time training the dog as you are hunting. So if, you, if your time's limited out in the field, spending the time during the spring and summer kind of working with your dog a little bit, it doesn't take a lot of time, will make those experiences in the fall that much more enjoyable. Well, and I think 
outdoor people, even if they don't hunt, love animals. There are a lot of them are dog owners. We've got a lot of new people getting out hunting in the fall now. So that's why I'm bringing back the dog training segment. We'll be announcing who's going to ha- host it and things uh, next week. But I think it's going to be fun, and I've and, uh, got some real reliable people coming on that really are professionals with the dogs. And I think it's going to be a great segment. But let's talk fishing. I know you've been out. I don't know. Are you on the water today? Uh, I am sitting in my truck, going to be heading to the lake as soon as I get off the phone with you. All right, but you were out this week. Um, what are you seeing out there? First of all, let's take us through some of the lakes. I know you keep track of that northeast quite a bit. What's going on out there? The northeast is kind of, you know, we're really in that transition zone. Um, I was out on some of the bodies of water Monday, and I was seeing, you know, some water temperatures up to 55. You know, we had that warm weather last weekend. And so it was just getting to that temperature in the afternoons where you were going to start seeing some of the bass and crappies moving shallow. And then we had the cold weather come in and the wind, and I was out yesterday, and on that same body of water, I couldn't find anything warmer than 47. So we had a that cold weather really kind of pushed the temperature back. So it's, it's going to keep some of those fish, you know, a little bit. And with the weather coming this week, it's going to slow them down a bit moving towards the shallows so what i would do is i'd spend my time targeting those fish that are still a little bit more cool water oriented or active deep and i've been finding a lot of you know good bites for walleye um the white bass are just starting white bass and wipers are starting to turn on and then the trout those are kind of the three species i would be targeting for the next week with this weather now when you start talking about our lakes out in the northeast Jumbo is still a little bit of a mystery. Um, I've been talking to some of the boat inspectors out there. The lake got real low last year, and no one's really sure how many fish survived. And the boat inspectors have said they've only seen about 15, 20 fish come out of the lake since it opened April 1st. Is that um, weather and water condition related, or is that a lack of fish? Uh, I'm not sure. Sterling's a little bit on the slow side. Uh, Pruitt and Jackson both are starting. They're a little bit shallower bodies of water, and you're starting to see some of the, the walleyes and saw guys moving shallow, which provides an opportunity for either, you know, trolling some stick baits or pitching some jigs. And the wipers are just starting to turn on there. And then when you start going up and down the front range, Horsetooth and Carter both are producing, you know, bigger trout and some smallmouth bass. I know the bass have been out a little bit deeper, so it may take a boat to get to them. They've kind of been in that 30 to 40-foot range. Boyd, again, it's it's kind of that deeper water range, that uh, 22 to 30-foot to range seems to be the best for the, the walleye and white bass. And then St. Vrain, you know, if you're wanting to go shore fishing, they've put a bunch of trout in St. Vrain, both um, – the smaller stalker size and then they put some bigger ones in in the fall and because of ice conditions a lot of those didn't get caught out so there's an opportunity to get yourself into some oh 16 maybe up to 18 inch trout there from the shore now i i would think the trout even across the other lakes because of this this weather kind of cooled the water down up and down the front range and out on the east anywhere where they've stocked trout or are stocking trout I would think that shore bite will continue, especially with this cold weather coming up. I would think it's probably your best bet for shore fishermen on any of the bodies of water, wouldn't you? 
yeah, I would agree. Right now, the trout are going to be the most consistent fishing from the shore. Um, I'm I'm not much of a, a soak bait on the bottom for trout. I like to cover water a little bit more. And the trout have seemed to be up in the top, you know, five feet of the water column is where I'm catching most of them. So I would either be throwing like a, a stick bait, like an original Rapala minnow or something like that, and retrieving it really slow, adding a few pauses in there for them, or a, a spinner or a spoon, something like that. If you aren't getting bites like that, we've talked about it numerous times, but a float and a jig and just pull it and let that jig settle back down, man, that's that's hard to beat this time of year. It really is. And if you have a second rod stamp, doesn't hurt to take some like Berkeley power bait or something, put it on a, a slip sinker or a split shot, throw it out on the bottom and put that rod in a rod holder, then fish around it. Because even if you don't have the patience to normally fish that bait like that, it will attract fish. The scent of it going into the water will attract trout. And you may be able to catch more on your lure even by doing that. And if you get one on the bait once in a while, then it becomes a plus. Oh, that's absolutely true. And the other thing, Terry, is you're covering two areas in the water column, and you're able to figure out, you know, maybe the the front or something like that have pushed those fish down a little deeper. So if you start catching fish on that, that bait on the bottom, what I normally would do is I would then go to just a jig without a float and fish the jig right off the bottom or right above the bottom. And that way you're kind of you're working two different presentations in the zone that the fish are using. And that has been a big key. It seems like right now the hot depth for fish is very specific. It's about a two foot window and that's been changing from day to day. You know, some of it I'm sure is, is weather related and, and where the forage is. But um, so being able to cover a couple different areas in the water column and figure out what, depth those fish are using that day that's going to help you catch a lot more fish let's talk about the walleyes a little more how are you approaching i know you've been catching some walleyes the last week or two the numbers haven't been you know the june numbers when we'll see these 50 75 fish days but that you've been catching and you've been getting some decent sized fish some keeper walleyes which this time of the year are a little more available even some of the larger males are out there so how are you approaching the walleyes? What kind of presentations? Right now, this time of year, there's two presentations I stick with, uh, especially with this water temperature in the, the 40s, is I'm either going to find a spot and pitch a, a jig and work it really slow, maybe even tip it with a minnow. Uh, and when I'm talking a jig, it's either like a hair jig or a jig tipped with a, a plastic or something like that. And... The other option is what I've been doing mainly is trolling lead core with crankbaits. And I'm trolling them fairly slow, you know, below two miles an hour. You kind of have to play with it to figure out what the fish are wanting. But you need to make sure you're keeping those baits down close to the bottom. And what I've been seeing out on the lakes is there's a lot of people that are trying to push that uh, live bait bite you know, pulling night crawlers on behind bottom bouncers and that. In June, that's a great presentation to catch numbers of fish. But this time of year, those fish haven't quite transitioned over to that. And those people are really struggling. They're catching just one or two trout and maybe an occasional walleye. Whereas if, if you go with those crankbaits 
you know, it's not uncommon right now to get, oh, 10 to 15, maybe even 20 walleyes in a day. And, you know, half of those are going to be keepers, maybe even more. So it's worth putting that little bit of time in and kind of figuring that, that trolling bite out right now. And I would say with the way our weather's looking, you're probably looking at last week of April, we're going to start hitting that transition over to where those live bait presentations are going to start producing more fish. And, and the crankbait, the, the slow trolling bite is going to start to taper off. Well, you know, when that does happen, by the way, I want to get back to the lead cord. But before I do, Brad and I did a television show on bottom bouncer techniques. And it happens to be one of the most popular. We did it years ago, but it's one of the most popular videos on my YouTube channel. It's called bottom bouncer techniques. When that bite does take off, if you want to catch fish, bottom bouncers are one of the most productive ways to fish western reservoirs and brad and i put on a clinic on that on my youtube channel if you want to go look at that and get ready it really gives you the basic techniques on how to do it the other thing brad lead core a lot of people don't have lead core they're not set up for it but you can get set up for it fairly inexpensively you need a reel large enough now i put the whole 10 colors of lead core on a reel and and then i put maybe a liter that's only about eight to 10 feet long. You can tell me how you approach it. But when you mentioned less than two miles an hour, lead core can be very speed sensitive. So you really have to be aware of how deep your lead core, how many colors you've got out, how far you're out with it. And then if you, when you change your speed, the depth of that lead core is going to change pretty drastically. Yes, it is. And it's not as much as in the past, if you're using some of the newer lead core, like the suffix 835, which is a little bit narrower diameter. So the speed change isn't as impactful as the traditional size lead core. But I'm using the 18-pound test. That's kind of the, the standard among the walleye anglers. And so it is very crucial to know. And, and you know, if you're two foot deeper or shallower, you're going to have to adjust your amount of line. But even a tenth of a mile an hour, you know, I, I'm using reels with line counters on them, and you're talking about an extra 10 to 15 feet of line needing to go out to get to the right depth at a tenth of a mile an hour change. So you do need to pay a lot of attention. If you don't have lead core, the other option is to go with snap weights. They are, they're even more speed sensitive and then if you slow down they're going to drop your bait real quick but you can use snap weights if you just want to try this presentation and don't want to go with the lead on some sort of a a trolling rod setup a little bit stiffer rod drop that snap weight all the way to the bottom put about 20 to to 50 feet of line out from your lure to the snap weight get that snap weight all the way to the bottom and then start reeling it up, and you're going to see that crankbait's going to be hitting the bottom. Your rod tip's going to be bouncing. And just keep slowly reeling it up until your your rod stops bouncing and just kind of hangs there. And that means you're, you're right in that key zone of somewhere between a foot to two feet of the bottom. And that's kind of the easiest way for people to figure out if you don't want to go out and get lead core, but you want to try this presentation – Snap weights will work and can be effective, and it's a good tool to learn how to use because as the summer goes on and those fish go out and suspend in the middle, uh, you know, kokanee, rainbows, walleyes, all can be caught very well using snap weights instead of a downrigger system 
to get those suspended fish. Yeah, we're running out of time. The last comment I'll make, another thing, if you don't have snap weights, you can use bottom bouncers, put a leader on them. I prefer to use bottom bouncers as a bottom contact type presentation because I think it's a lot of weight and wire up in the water column that may spook fish. But you can, and you can put that bottom bouncer down just like you did a snap weight and lift it up, just get a heavy enough one, at least a couple ounces probably. And you can do that with a bottom bouncer also and maybe extend a leader if you just don't have the other equipment. But I think the key right now is the, probably until those fish transition to their summer patterns is to cover water, right? Yeah, the fish are really spread out. So until the water temperature warms up to kind of that 50 and they get a little bit more concentrated where the bug hatches start, um, cover some water. That's going to be a big key. But once you find those active fish and that active depth, go back through those areas and just try to keep repeating that pattern because that's, that's going to produce fish for, you know, most of the day. All right, my friend, if people want to book a trip or more information, how do they find you? You can find me on Facebook at Brad Peterson Outdoors or give me a call or shoot me a text at 303-829-3998. All right. We'll talk to you again soon. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Jack's Outdoor Gear. Locations up and down the Front Range. Um, If you're an outdoor enthusiast, whatever you do, whether it's hunting, fishing, camping, kayaking, whatever it is you need outdoor clothing, check one out. They have everything you need. And it's a great grilling section. In fact, next week we're going to talk about grilling and smoking uh, in a couple weeks with the folks from Jack's. Let's go right to the phones right now. And joining us uh, from Stagecoach Reservoir is Tabitha. Good morning. Good morning, how is the weather out in Stagecoach today? It's beautiful. I would say it's about 40 degrees, which maybe in Denver is a little bit colder for you guys, but it's starting to warm up for us. The ice is melting up here. For people that don't know where Stagecoach or they've, they've never been there, we get a lot of new listeners, a lot of new people outdoors. Tell them where Stagecoach Reservoir is located and kind of describe the park a little bit. Absolutely. So Stagecoach State Park is about 20 miles south or southwest of Boat Springs, Colorado. Um, I'm sure most people know that area. And it's... It's mostly sagebrush area. There's beautiful mountains around it. There's an 820-acre surface-acre reservoir, so we have tons of boating in the summer. It's a very popular spot for ice fishing in the winter and very popular for fishing in the summer. We have northern pike, walleye, um, rainbow trout, and tons of other fish. And, you know, the state record pike has come out of Stagecoach, which is over 30 pounds. And they also produce very large trout in the reservoir because they're stocked at a little bit larger size. So that's, uh, that's um, it makes that a great place to fish for trout because you tend to get a little bit bigger trout there. Do you have camping available there also? Yes. So we have winter camping, which is on a first-come, first-served basis. Our summer camping, which is reservation only, starts May 15th. And for anyone interested, I highly recommend it. It's a beautiful area. 
I definitely would try to make a reservation sooner than later because we're almost booked already for the summer. And it's just, it is, it's a beautiful area. A lot of people use it as a home base to go to uh, Steamboat Steamboat Springs or go up to Steamboat Lake. Or There's so much in the area to do out there, and it is beautiful. And the fishing is just phenomenal. In fact, on my YouTube channel, the last uh, show we posted, which went up about a week ago, is Fishing for the Pike at Stagecoach Reservoir. So if you want to get a feel for that, folks, go to my YouTube channel, The Best of Fishing with Terry Wickstrom, and you can see us fishing for the pike there. And like I said, it has great trout. Now, I want to get to something you want to talk about as far as um, some ice rescue and things. But before we get to that, I would like to mention you guys have a great tailwater fishery. You're on the Yampa River, and where the water comes out of Stagecoach into Yampa is a tremendous fly fishing opportunity. Absolutely. That's actually one of my favorite spots of the park. A lot of people don't even know it exists over there because it's past the dam. It's so beautiful. It's this little valley with a ton of trees down there, and there's some trophy trout down there. It's incredible. So whether you are new to fly fishing or an experienced fly fisher, it is catch and release only, and you can only use artificial flies and lures, but it is one of my favorite spots to fly fish. And it um, it actually is accessible year round, and that you know it stays ice free because the water coming out from the bottom of the dam is about forty degrees. Now the road gets closed in the winter, so you have to walk in. When does that road typically open so that there's more drive-in access? It just opened on April first. Okay, so there is access. It's a tremendous place to fish. Now there's something you want to talk about, and I want to get to that, and that's the fact that. I know ice fishing is winding down. I know the front range is certainly over with. We're boating here. It's winding down where you at, but a lot of the higher elevation and bigger mountain lakes still have ice fishing going on. And you teach a class on uh, self-rescue or ice rescue uh, to help for, with ice fishing safety. And, you, and with people still venturing out, you know, early ice in the spring is usually really strong, good, clear ice. And it's a little easier to tell how secure the ice is. You get this time of the year, it thaws, it melts. You might have thick ice, but it might be honeycombed. It can be a lot trickier understanding if you're in a safe condition. So what are some of the things you want to share with people about ice safety? Yes, absolutely. So I do teach ice rescue classes, and uh, the best way to explain um, the crystals or the structure of the ice before kind of dive into how to rescue yourself is if you can imagine if you have a group of pencils, uh, clear ice, which is the strongest, let's say you have a rubber band wound around them and you have a very tight group of pencils, uh, that's very strong. You could stand on it with a body weight. So that is like clear ice. Um, candled ice or honeycomb ice, um, imagine that rubber band is broken and the pencils are loose. That's what that ice is like. So it's not strong and someone couldn't stand on that. And you can never tell the difference if it's clear ice or not. So whether it is four inch ice or two inches, um, it's hard to tell without cutting that ice up. And so ways you can rescue yourself, uh, I always recommend carrying something like ice picks with you, or even if you had like a screwdriver or something sharp, 
if you did fall through, um, just getting yourself on that ice shelf, at, like stabbing the ice with that sharp tool to give yourself a minute to calm down. Because the thing that really gets people in dangerous situations, dangerous situations is that initial shock. So if you didn't give yourself a minute to calm down um, and think clearly, then you can rescue yourself after that. And I think one of the best things to this time of the year is don't go alone and have a buddy with you with a rope because Absolutely. you don't want that buddy you don't want that buddy to walk out close to you and fall through the same ice but you have a nice length of rope with a little bit of a weight on it that you can throw it and or slide it out on the ice very few people <clears throat> die immediately going through the ice most get out and if you have ice picks or somebody there to help you, it, it can be survivable. But I think the biggest thing we want to tell people right now, too, is that we don't want to discourage you because there can be some great fishing. But you have to be just super cautious this time of the year. Don't you agree? Oh, absolutely. Yep. The conditions change every day. With that warm weather, the ice is expanding or contracting. Overnight temperatures can still be cool in the mountains and you just never know what the ice is going to do, and it can be very unpredictable. All right. We're out of time, but last thing, when does Stagecoach open for boating? We open May 1st. So make sure you get your boating registrations and have all your safety equipment. All right. Thank you so much for joining us, Tabitha. Hopefully we'll talk to you again very soon. Thank you so much. All right. You're listening to Terry Wixom Outdoors, presented by Jack's Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan, brought to you in part by Jack's Outdoor Gear, 65 years old and still going strong. They'll take care of all your outdoor needs. Let's go right to the phones. And joining us from Colorado Parks and Wildlife is Jim Ramsey. Good morning, Jim. Good morning, Terry. You know, Jim... You're the aquatic biologist for Southeast Colorado, and every year I kind of go in with a tempered enthusiasm about your area because I know it can be some of the best resources in the state, but with water conditions, those resources can cycle, and I always have a little bit of trepidation until you and I talk in the spring, and after talking to you earlier this week, I'm pretty excited. Yeah, you know, there's still some good opportunities out here on the Eastern Plains. Last year, we didn't get to uh, have our annual conversation because, you know, we were under that stay-at-home recommendation, and we didn't want to encourage folks from the Front Range to come out here. But that's all behind us now, and uh, fishing is still good out here, and there's great opportunity for folks to get out here and enjoy uh, three particular lakes that I wanted to talk about this morning. So uh, we'll just jump right into that if you're ready. Right, you bet. The first one is probably John Martin. That's kind of the queen of that area. I know you lost some water there and lost some fish. What's the status? So John Martin currently has about a little over 60,000 acre feet of water, which is about 50% of where it was this time last year. But that's still a pretty good pool of water. Uh, Both boat ramps are in the water on the state park. The uh, western boat ramp on the state wildlife area, unfortunately, is is high and dry right now, so we can't use that one. But uh, the state park boat ramps are both both working just fine, and fishing is expected to be great this year for crappie, walleye, sawgye, wipers, and white bass. 
Now, what's kind of the timing of John Martin as far as the fishing? Um, the, are the, the, let's start with the crappies. I love fishing crappies in those kind of lakes. Crappies tend to move in shallower to spawn, both pre-spawn and even a little post-spawn, and then they kind of disperse a little bit, and people have a little more trouble finding them. What state are the crappies in right now? Are you seeing their movements? So at John Martin, crappie populations are doing really well. Uh, they benefited from the five or five plus years of high water, and they've got off some really good spawns. So the the numbers of fish in the lake are outstanding. And I always tell anglers to start looking for crappie when water temperatures start, you know, getting around that 55 to 60 degree mark. Uh, those fish are going to become really active and start their pre-spawn bite. And that's when, as most crappie fishermen know, that that springtime is really good time to catch crappies. My old what predecessor, Charlie Bennett, he used to tell me when the lilacs are blooming, the crappies are biting. So that's kind of yeah, kind of a good good way to go. A lot of us used to use those type of indicators. Do you know about what the water temperature is now? Yeah, I was just out there stocking walleyes and sawguys and uh, the fry that we produced at Walleye Spawn. And uh, when I was out there, you know, we have to take the temperature really closely. So it was in the uh, in the lower 50s. So we're we're getting really close to being uh, crappie crappie spring fishing. Oh yeah, and you get some warmer weather down there than we tend to get up here. So that'll bloom pretty quick, you know. As we go through these lakes and talk about the different opportunities, um, it's a bit of a drive. With all the new anglers and the people going back to fishing we have, we need resources like this. And people, if you want to have a great experience, make this drive. It's well worth it. How about the sawguy and white bass in John Martin? What do you see in there? Both species are doing really well. Um, our fall inventory nets last fall showed good populations of good numbers of fish. The sawguys are going to uh, average about 15, 16 inches. And the great thing about John Martin is the limits at John Martin are a little more uh, liberal for the anglers. They can keep up to 10 fish and there's no size restriction. So when you go to like a Pueblo Reservoir, you, you, you have to throw everything back that's less than 18. But you know, a 16, 17 inch walleye is a good eating fish and you can keep those at John Martin. It really is a good eating fish. Do you have some, before we move on to some of the other lakes, is there some shore opportunities at John Martin for people that don't have a boat? John Martin is a good place to shore fish, uh, especially on that north side in the state park. There are all kinds of access points that um, have trails and roads right up to the fishing areas. Um, good good deep water right off the shore, good places to fish. You can fish all along the dam at John Martin, so really good shore fishing opportunity there. Well, you know, and I've caught a lot of crappies off that dam. And there's some species we didn't even talk about that I've caught numbers of. Our uh, largemouth bass can be good at times. And drum, if you want something, pull your string. There's some good-sized drum in that lake too, Jim. That's for sure. Uh, drum can really stretch your line. And also, like you mentioned, the largemouth bass and smallmouth bass, uh, we, have some, we have both species there. Uh, the bass tournament anglers have been coming to John Martin for the past few years and uh, having pretty good success with those species. And catfish. We don't want to overlook that. <clears throat> but let's, let's move on to a couple other lakes. How about Nenoshi? So Nenoshi Reservoir was refilled in 2017 after being dry for about the previous seven years. So the lake itself kind of went through that new lake effect where you flooded all this timber that had grown up so you have a really productive water, and we aggressively stocked it trying to rebuild the fishery as quickly as we could. And 
we're really pleased with the results so far. Uh, good wipers, saw guys, crappie, largemouth bass, and catfish. Uh, it's it's really developed nicely. Uh, unfortunately, the lake didn't stay completely full. It's receded somewhat, but you can still launch boats. I tell guys to probably bring a smaller boat, you know, to Ninoshi. 16, 17-foot boat should be able to launch easily off of that North Kiowa ramp. I wouldn't recommend bringing a 24-foot Lund or a pontoon that sits four or five feet off the water. might be difficult to launch those bigger boats, but smaller boats can launch really easily. I was just out there the other day stalking Saga and Walleye, and I was able to launch my 19-footer really easily. Well, and some of the size, you were telling me that the wipers, you're seeing 20-inch wipers and 18-inch sawgai there on a pretty regular basis. Is that right? Right. The wa- the wipers and the sawgais have grown really quickly. The shad base has, the, the forage fish has really exploded out there. So there's good groceries in the lake, and the fish are just eating like like horses, and they're growing really, really fast. So, yeah, you know, we have 20-inch wipers, and we have 18-inch sawgai. So fishing is pretty good going to be pretty good at Ninoshi this year and good crappies too i understand uh, lots of crappies and we we tried to you know years ago Ninoshi was good for white crappies it had a lot of black crappies but uh also had some white crappies we haven't been able to get white crappies until just recently because in colorado our hatchery system only grows black crappies but we've made some trades with other states to get our hands on some white crappies and we've We've put some of those in Ninoshi as well. The benefit of the white crappies is they do a little bit better in turbid waters, and they also have the uh, opportunity to grow a little bigger than the black crappies. You know, and I don't know if it's just uh, my own experience, but I've caught more, excuse me, I seem to catch more of the white crappies during the summer off the dam and the riprap too. Really? Okay. Yeah, that's an interesting uh, observation. Uh, I know back in Kansas, uh, my son lives back in Kansas, and he catches whites and blacks out of the same water and uh, using the same exact techniques. So I think I think they tend to school together in, at times. Yeah, it's probably true. It's probably just there was more white crappies available when I was doing that. And the last lake I know you want to highlight is Negrande. Now, you can't get boats on there, but you said there's going to be some great opportunities. Right, so Negrande is right across the highway from Ninoshi, as people that have been out this way know. Um, it has a good pool of water out there. It, it was filled in 2017, about the same time that Ninoshi was filled, but it wasn't completely filled, so the water never got all the way up to the boat ramps. But a good pool of water exists there, and we've been stocking it aggressively, the same as we have at Ninoshi. Uh, but anglers are a little less likely to go there because the shore fishing is difficult and there's no boat access. But uh, anglers that have a belly boat or a fishing kayak or or are even willing to wade out a little ways could have an excellent experience there and basically have the whole place to yourself. So I, I'm strongly encouraging guys to and, and gals, too, to get out there to Negrande and fish it as much as they can this year. Now, what what species in particular would you target at Negrande? I would go after the wipers, the sawgai, catfish, and largemouth bass, and to a lesser extent, the crappies. Uh, crappies haven't developed quite as quickly out there, but uh, those other species are doing really well. Now, I know you don't have a crystal ball. As you look at your area and the snowpack, I know that we've got 
80, 90 percent snowpack in that drainage, but we're concerned about the dry soil absorbing a lot of it. Do you, are you getting any early predictions as to what kind of water you might see? Of course, we've got to go through spring and rain. I know we can't hold you in anything, but any thoughts? You know, unfortunately, everybody that I've talked to, the prognosticators have have kind of leaned towards a dry summer. And uh, after a dry summer in 2020, that doesn't bode well for water levels. It looks like maybe that water levels are going to drop even more this year. But we're hoping, like you said, for a wet spring. Uh, some big rains in the Fountain Creek area and in the upper Arkansas, you know, between John Martin and Pueblo can really benefit these lakes out here. So I've seen it, I've seen it dry like this and then it just get wet for a couple of weeks and, you know, fill the lakes up. So it can happen. I've seen it done. So we're hoping for that. I think early in the year, you can feel pretty confident going down there. If you're going to go probably after the 4th of July, you might want to check the particular lake you're going to. That's good advice. Yeah. Call, call the CPW office here in Lamar and, uh, asked to speak to either myself or one of the officers, and, and you can get some good information on lake levels by doing that. Yeah. All I know is it's one of my favorite places to go. Uh, <clears throat> I love fishing John Martin. Years ago, I did um, two or three television shows down there. I don't think they're up on my YouTube channel yet. I'll check. But I know Chad Lachance has been down there, and he probably has some of those reruns. He's starting to post those on his YouTube channel. I'll ask Chad. He's going to be on with me later in the show. And it's just a place where you're not going to feel crowded on any of those lakes. And your chance for fishing success, if you have just a modicum of knowledge, is really pretty good, isn't it? Yes, anglers can do really well down here. And like I mentioned before, you can take some fish home and put some fish in the freezer because the limits down here are pretty generous. Uh, I think you can catch 20 crappies, 20 white bass, and 10 walleye saw guys. So that's a that's a load of fish. If you, if you catch, if you limit out on everything, that's a load of fish. That's a lot of fish cleaning. <laughs> I don't recommend doing that very often, but uh, yeah, there's been times when I've been up late cleaning fish because got a little too eager with that, but uh, you can catch some fish for your freezer for sure. And they're all, they're all good eating fish too. I mean, every one of them, those are good pan fish. I mean, walleyes and crappies are just delicious. Jim, thanks for joining us. You have such a tremendous opportunities down there. Hopefully a lot of the anglers in the state, we have so many of them, will get a chance to come down and take advantage of it. That would be great. And I really encourage folks to get after it this year. All right, Jim. As always, great information, Jim. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. You bet. Terry Works from Outdoors is brought to you in part by Jack's Outdoor Gear. You know, we're still going to give away a $50 gift certificate on our trivia sometime this show to Jack's. So stay tuned for that on Terry Works from Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Little guitar riff there, my friend Kyle. That sounds pretty good. You like that? Yeah. Gets me waking, gets me foot pop pumping in the morning. Hey, you're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, brought to you in part by Jack's Outdoor Gear. And uh, we've been promising we're going to give away a $50 gift card to Jack, so I think we're going to do that right now. You know, I started hosting the outdoor show on the fan in 1998. This is my 24th year of hosting this show. And just prior to me taking over the show to host it, another gentleman hosted it for a short period of time. 
He stayed on with the show and did a segment and was a contributor to the show for years after that. And he was one of my dearest friends before he passed away a few years ago. For a $50 gift card, the first one to text 303-713-1043 and tell me who the original host of the Outdoor Show was, we have a $50 gift card for Jack's for you. Uh, just for And, you know, if you... If you would have been following me on Facebook, you would know that that information was posted by Karen on our Facebook page, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, this week. We're going to have more trivia coming. We will always post the answer on Facebook. So if you follow us, you've got a heads up going into the show, knowing what the question is. And they're kind of neat facts about us. At least we hope they are. Uh, in addition to uh, Facebook, of course, we have the YouTube channel. We always want to encourage people to go to our YouTube channel. We did 22 seasons of television, and in those 22 seasons, we, we did two shows, Mountain States Fishing and then Angling Adventures. Mountain States Fishing was filmed within a day's drive of Denver or sometimes right in the city limits, but it was in this area. And so those shows were all filmed here, and they always wanted to show you either somewhere to go, some way to catch those fish, or somebody that could help you. We, we always go for those three, if not two or three of those. And those. Now, we also did Angling Adventures, which we traveled across, well, from the equator to the Arctic Circle, trying to show you great fishing destinations. Some of those destinations are right in this area, too. So there's about 150, I think more than that, of our episodes up on our YouTube channel. And if you go to the YouTube channel, you're going to find that probably over half of those we're filmed right in your backyard so that you're going to get places to go and techniques and get introduced to people that can help you right in he- this area. And with all the new anglers out there, you know, they were filmed over a number of years, but the information is still very good. I, we keep track of it. We watch to make sure, and the information is sound and solid. So go to our, our YouTube uh, channel and follow us and, and, you know, watch some episodes but certainly follow us on Facebook at Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. We're going to post every time Karen puts up a new uh, video on our YouTube channel. She posts it on Facebook. We take a lot of the podcasts, like I'll probably put this John Martin podcast up on our Facebook page with a link just because it was such great information. We, we talk about upcoming events like we're going to have dog training starting next week. We'll talk a little more about that during during the week and all those type of things so by the way we do have a winner on the trivia i don't i I didn't get his name yet but the answer to the trivia was charlie myers um charlie charlie's a dear friend he was the outdoor writer for the denver post for many many years and charlie was a great friend of mine and a mentor to me and charlie started the outdoor show on the fan and decided that doing full-time radio a uh, whole show wasn't really what he wanted to do. When they asked me to take the show over, I said yes, but I wanted Charlie to stay on as a contributor. So he came on every week, and Charlie and I just grew to be greater friends. So the answer was the answer was uh, Charlie Meyer, and um, and hopefully, uh, you know, it's just a neat bit of information. 24, 24th year hosting that show, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what, let's just take a time out. When I come back, Nate Zielinski is going to join us, and we're going to talk walleye fishing and fishing conditions right here in Colorado on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan.